for most New Yorkers, an emergency constitutes a serious, often unexpected situation requiring emergency action. But when it comes to New York's state government, declaring a state of emergency can take on very different meaning, and often there is no sense of a dire situation. In fact, New Yorkers are living under multiple states of emergency as we speak in early January, which has significant ramifications for the transparency and oversight of our state government. For more on the issue, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Rachel Foss, a senior policy advisor for reInvent Albany, a good government group valuing disclosure by government. Welcome back to the show, Rachel. Thanks for having me. So for starters, what is the purpose of an emergency declaration? Is it primarily about increasing the government's ability to be flexible and and tap into funding during a crisis? Really, the the powers about how to declare an emergency, you know, they're they're in our constitution, they're in the state's executive law. But the purpose of them is if there's a natural disaster, if there's an unforeseen circumstance, it could be a pandemic, for example, it lets government, the governor, suspend the laws that are in place and respond to a crisis faster than before. I think the the issue we have now is that we've been under states of emergency almost on a continual basis, which really begs the question of, do we need to keep suspending laws or do we need the laws themselves to be more flexible? And, you know, I think that we need to think about how New York lives under emergencies in a in a much more methodical way rather than just suspending laws on a continual basis. Well, yeah, you mentioned the examples of extreme weather events or the pandemic, both of which have sort of receded into our rearview mirror. So people might think, hey, we're not living under any states of emergency currently, but that's not the case as of the end of 2023, right? So there's emergency orders that are in effect now that actually don't have to do with natural disasters or public health emergencies. We have two emergency orders in effect as of today, one on asylum seekers. Obviously, this is a big issue for state and city government in terms of resources and getting people the help they need. And the other is actually on gun violence, which was put in effect by Governor Cuomo in 2021 and has been going on for multiple years at this point. Well, what are the ramifications then of these emergency declarations that we're living under? Are Governor Hochul and Governor Cuomo before them able to suspend laws or enact laws or do things that they might not normally have been able to do in those 900 plus days, as you described? If you go back to what maybe the purpose of suspending laws is, when you have a natural disaster or you have a a big, you know, winter storm, you really want to get people off the road. You want to make people safe by allowing the plows to get through if there's a giant snowstorm, for example. Suspending the vehicle and traffic law for that probably makes sense. But what's been going on with the gun violence order, the asylum seeker order, and even during COVID is that contracts are being issued without the state comptroller's pre-approval and sections of the state finance law are what are being suspended. And as you know, I said, this has been going on for multiple years at this point. So if a state of emergency has been going on for three years and the comptroller can't look at any of these contracts, obviously that's a huge issue in terms of accountability and transparency of state spending on these contracts. Why can't the comptroller see them? Uh, And why can't we have a better sense of, you know, why do we need to suspend competitive bidding? 
Well, you mentioned the state controller, and right before Christmas, the governor vetoed a bill dealing with state controller Tom DiNapoli's office and their authority to review and approve contracts. What were you trying to get enacted there, and was that primarily focused on these uh, contracts that are greenlit during emergencies? So this was a bill, it was the state comptroller had it introduced by Senator Cooney and Assemblymember Solage at at his request. And it didn't change the process of state agencies being able to issue these emergency contracts. All it required was that they get published online 30 days after they're issued and that the agencies say, why was the reason that they needed to do this on a you know non-competitive basis? What was the reason that this contract had to be issued? It was really a transparency bill. It had nothing to do with changing the ability of state agencies to respond to a crisis. In vetoing the legislation, uh, Governor Hochul argued that the bill would impose a significant burden uh, on state agencies who would have to focus on, quote unquote, gathering information as opposed to uh, responding to a disaster. Uh, What do you think about that critique from the governor? Well, as I said, I think posting the contract 30 days after it's issued, the process has started already. It's already done, essentially. So I think that's a bit of a a stretch for the veto message to say that it impairs their ability to respond quickly because this is a after the fact publishing of the contract. And then the information that the agencies would collect is really just information they already have. You know, why was this not done on a competitive basis, if they aren't able to provide a public rationale of that, there's far more problems with our contracting system that should be exposed and the public should be able to get a sense of, you know, why are these decisions being made the way they are? And this is our taxpayer money we're talking about. So I think there should be a higher standard of explaining to the public why these contracts are being done on a quick, non-competitive basis. Well, before we move on to 2024, I want to reintroduce you for listeners uh, just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Rachel Foss, a senior policy advisor for reInvent Albany, a good government group. So looking ahead to the legislative session that actually starts uh, this week in in Albany, what other actions would you like to see the legislature take to either uh, curtail executive actions or provide uh, maybe more oversight of them during an emergency? Well, I think first step could be, you know, pass this bill again, or, you know, this is a kind of unheard of thing in Albany, but maybe we should do a veto override on this one, because the laws that are passed that the governor suspended are passed by the legislature. So this really is about legislative power in a way. And it's in the legislature's interest to make sure the laws they pass are actually followed. Um, So we think this one could deserve an override, but obviously that's something the legislature will have to decide. The second point is that, you know, we kind of have a playbook for this and what might be a more appropriate way of dealing with emergency orders because the legislature pushed back on Governor Cuomo and they had put in place some good transparency requirements, a better database, if you will, or a spreadsheet of the actions of the governor and what laws are suspended, a better accounting of exactly why the laws are being suspended. But unfortunately, all that expired during COVID. So there's no reason that those levels of transparency shouldn't be brought back. So we'd like to see the legislature take this up. And really, as I mentioned, it's about them exercising their own power. And it's about them making sure that the laws they pass are followed by the governor and not suspended for extended periods of time. You raised that issue of publishing what's actually being done 
during an emergency. How opaque is the process right now? For example, if the average New Yorker wanted to find out what laws might have been suspended or what emergency actions are, are being taken, is that something they can find with an easy Google search? Or are they going to have to spend five to 10 years in the state legislature, maybe be a lobbyist for some time so they actually can learn the ins and outs of Planet Albany so they can speak this language and, and decipher all these kind of uh, obscure actions? It's really hard to understand for a general member of the general public. So, you know, on reInvent Albany's website, I'll give a little plug for that. It's reinventalbany.org. We actually have a tracker of all the emergency orders that are in effect now, how long they've been in effect. And this was something that we had to cobble together. And it took a lot of time because many of these emergency orders, they're extended every single month. So some of them have been extended. The gun violence order we mentioned earlier has been extended 27 times. Um, and that's just under Governor Hochul. So if you want to understand the laws that are being suspended, what exactly is going on, you don't have to just look at the 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 what's in effect right now, the extension. You have to look at each one of those prior orders and understand what's what changed, what didn't. It's a really big curve to understand. And we'd like to see the governor explain this to the public in a much easier way on her own website. And rather than have a, you know, a group like ours have to have to explain it to the public. This is something government should better explain. Um, because as I mentioned, this is a lot of this has to do with spending of taxpayer dollars, and there should be a much higher standard of public transparency around that. Do we need to have a higher standard just in general for when a emergency is declared? And if we do, is that something that is set by the legislature or do we need the courts to get involved and sort of set this uh, balance of power equation to a new equilibrium? So it's actually in statute. It's in the executive law. So Governor Cuomo actually changed the law a little bit during covid with the theory of, you know, making sure that a pandemic, something like COVID was addressed in the law, you know, the legislature thought he went too far. And in that same bill that required more transparency of emergencies or of of the law suspended during COVID, they rolled back a little bit of what the governor expanded his powers to be. So this is something the legislature could take up generally when you're talking about emergencies like asylum seekers and gun violence. That's really not what the law was intended to um, address when, you know, you traditionally think about emergencies as things dealing with, you know, weather or health, right, Um, diseases. So the law really could use an update because the types of emergencies that, the types of actions that government takes now are, are really quite different than it did 100 years ago, for example. Well, rewinding back to 2020, my favorite part of that expansion of the governor's disaster powers was that the section of law that they were touching addresses the governor's power to respond to a variety of disasters, including tornadoes, cyber attacks, okay, as well as volcanic eruptions, which I always thought was amusing living in New York, that we were prepared for that, but not necessarily uh, a, a you know pandemic like we had seen actually in this country within you know the last 101 years at the time. But Another element of that was the ability for the governor to actually, you know, basically write his own laws. Is that something that stands in effect to this day? Is Governor Hochul, with these new emergency declarations, does she have the ability to essentially write laws, or is it still primarily about suspending laws? 
Um, I I believe that that section got rolled back. It, it was the governor's ability to issue directives right. that you could interpret really as being a law. I mean, in general, the executive orders really can have the force of law. And this isn't just emergency orders. These are executive orders where the governor's um, directing an agency to do something. Some of that got did get rolled back a bit. Um, the other thing that you know we've proposed that the legislature could do in, in changing the law is let the governor have an emergency order. But if it goes on for an extended period of time, say a year, maybe the legislature has to affirmatively approve it rather than, you know, have to vote to rescind it. They do have that ability now. Um, they can rescind an emergency order or, a, um, but they, they never use that power. Um, so it would be better if it were flipped and that instead of having mm. to, you know, cancel something of the governor's, they'd have to affirmatively approve it. And we think after, you know, a year is certainly a reasonable amount of time for the legislature to say, hey, you know what, this 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 ex emergency order has been in effect a year. I think it's time for us to look at this and decide if it should still be in place or, you know, maybe we need to make the laws themselves more flexible so that the governor can address, you know, these the crisis of the day. Well, maybe the legislature's 2024 resolution was to grow a backbone and to do things like that. But uh, it's still early in the year, and we'll have to wait to find out if that is the case. But uh, for now, we've been speaking with Rachel Foss. She's a senior policy advisor for reInvent Albany. Rachel, thank you so much for visiting us. Thanks for having me. Capital Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.